Hey, hi, hello there. My name is Kelly, otherwise known as Skin Queen, and welcome to the Skin Lovers Unite podcast, a place for all beauty therapists, skin therapists, estheticians, cosmetic nurses, and anyone else in the professional beauty industry who wants to learn more about skin science. In these episodes, I'll teach you everything you need to know when it comes to skin concerns, ingredient technology, treatment, and helping you to become the best you can be so that you can achieve the best outcomes for your clients. Are you ready to learn? Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, fellow skin lover. I hope you've been well. Hope you've had a lovely week. What have you been up to? Actually, I just realized as I said that, that I'm posting this on a Monday. So I hope you've had a lovely weekend. (laughs) Let me know what you got up to. Send me a DM. Let me know that you are listening to this podcast right now. I love hearing from you all. I love having a good chat if you didn't already know that. And I'm also really looking forward to today's episode, which is going to be talking about all things responses and reactions. So whether they be from products or whether they be from treatment, I'm just really excited to get into this topic. And the reason why I actually wanted to do this is because um, over the past few years as being an educator, the one thing that I would often do would be help therapists with adverse responses in their clients. And this would probably be like 50% of my job, which is pretty scary because we all want to help our clients and we always want to build them up to the strongest peels and get them on really solid home care routines. But then if our clients have a response to the products or to any of the treatments, we have no idea what to do and we almost panic. And I'm not saying that's everybody. I'm just saying that that can be for quite a lot of therapists, especially if you're new to the industry. And I think that just comes with lack of experience. Once again, not saying that you're inexperienced. It's just that if you haven't been working with the skin for I don't know, five years, and you haven't experienced a lot of responses, which is a great thing. If you see one or two responses, you really panic and you're like, oh my gosh, why has this happened? I followed everything. How do I look after my client? How do I assure my client that this is okay? Is it going to be okay? And honestly, if it wasn't for my experience working as a clinical educator, I probably wouldn't have seen as many reactions and responses with the skin as I have. Like no word of a lie. I think I've seen, man, so many. I actually used to be on the um, adverse response line at one of the skincare companies (laughs) that I worked for. And I don't know if that was actually assigned to me on purpose, or I don't know if just people... I don't know if just head office, just whenever they'd get a response, they would just send it my way. (laughs) But it was really interesting because that was obviously direct to consumer. And it's really interesting to see it from a client's perspective. But this episode, it's really going to be focusing on the therapist's perspective and how to help you. And, you know, in fact, before seeing all these responses myself, I used to be a bit of a cowboy. (laughs) And, you know, I say this now and I think about the time that I did a peel was it a Jesna Peel? Maybe it was a Jesna Peel on my best friend who is a Fitzpatrick three and she's Filipino and I caused her post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. Oh my gosh, it could have died. And I did panic. I was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? I've damaged her skin. Have I caused a chemical burn? What have I done? And you know, (laughs) now I'd be like, it's just PIHP, you know, nourish the skin. Let's do some exfoliants. Let's do another light appeal to try and lighten it. But you know, you don't actually know to do that if you aren't 
familiar with all of these responses. So let's start with the most common response, and that is a histamine response. So a histamine response is super common. We see it happen after so many different treatments. You can see it happen, you know, after a peel, after micros, after leveling, after IPL, after laser hair removal, after needling, even after introducing too many different products at once. And I'm not going to say that it's normal, but it is common. So what exactly does it look like? Well, it can look like a few different things. So the first example I might use is talking about skincare. So at the beginning of the year, I gave one of my girlfriends a heap of skincare to use. She was saying that she only used um, Cetaphil on her skin. And I was like, oh girl, no way. And I still remember we were on our way out and she was like, does anybody have purple cream for my lips? And I was like, (gasps) I was like, I need to get you sorted. And I gave her some really basic home care. I forget what I give her now. Um, I think I gave her a cleanser, a zinc based moisturizer, a hyaluronic. I think that could have been it, but she had a histamine response. And she, I said, how are you going with the products? And she said that she was getting hay fever-like symptoms. So she had runny, um, watery nose, watery eyes, itchy eyes, a little bit of swelling around her eyes. And it was like she was having hay fever, but she wasn't. And that is a really good indication of a histamine response. And I'm going to explain why this happens in a minute and why I think this happened to her. The other way that histamine can show up is through a hives-like response. So you can get, you know, little tiny red bumps. You can get a little bit of a rash. You can get a little bit itchy. Um, You know, I even experienced that this morning going for a walk. I think I walked into some sort of plant and I just felt like itchy all over my body and felt like heat all over my body. And I was like, oh my gosh, like something's triggered me here. And that can happen with our clients. It can show up all over. It can show up in one little area and it can be quite stressful for a client because they're like, well, the only thing I've done different is implement that skincare or I had that treatment yesterday. Oh my gosh, I'm having an allergic response. And then they'll call you quite panicked. And, you know, if we don't handle this correctly, this can really like just go out of control, which we don't want this to happen. So why does this occur? Firstly, our skin barrier, otherwise known as our stratum corneum, is the first line of defense in our skin. And it works to prevent things that should, shouldn't enter the skin from doing so, and also trapping essential components from exiting the skin as well. And oftentimes when our barrier is impaired, and you know you might be sitting here thinking, yeah, but my clients are on healthy skincare routines. That's okay if you've done a micro, if you've done a peel, if you've done uh, needling, that can sometimes impair your skin a little bit and just temporarily. But what happens is then our mast cells come into play. So our mast cells are our immune cells. And I want you to think of them as like uh, security guards at a nightclub. And they then work over time to protect our skin from those external stresses. And what can happen is when our barrier is impaired and then we are having a trigger of some sort, your mast cells will release histamine as a way to protect our body and expel the environmental stressor. So that environmental stressor can be anything from a naturally scented moisturizer or a natural ingredient in a skincare product 
Or even if we've had like a peel, we've had needling, we've had epidermal leveling, we've had a micro, or we've done this to our clients rather, what can happen is the dust or pollen can just lightly touch the skin when they've left the clinic and boom, you experience redness, itchy, bumpy, hives-like response. So, you know, with my friend with skincare, I just think she was so truly impaired to the point that that was occurring within her her skin, which is crazy and really hard to deal with. And I love a challenge. Um, And it's important that we don't panic when we see this. So oftentimes when I've had a therapist say, I think I've had a client with an allergic reaction. I say, okay, so talk me through what you think has happened. The first thing I say is get your client to send you a picture of their skin and send it to me. I say, just text it to me, send it to me on Instagram. Let's have a look at it together. The reason why I do this is because sometimes the client can just panic a little bit more than they you know, need to, which is normal. That's okay. I'm not saying that their concern isn't valid at all, but it's important to actually visually see what is going on within the skin. Most of the time when I do see that redness, itchiness, bumpy, hives-like response, they're saying that they're feeling heat, they're getting a bit of swelling. I'm like, okay, it's simply just a histamine response. So how do we fix this? Barrier repair. And furthermore, if they uh, you know, if they've had a response because of a moisturizer and you're like, well, now what? Then antihistamines, I mean, antihistamines should be your first and foremost response, but then next is barrier repair, but also things like red LED light or a hydrogel cooling mask. Anything that's going to help nourish the skin, replenish the skin. Gosh, even a hyaluronic acid sometimes is all you need. But just something to cool, reduce inflammation. You know, sometimes the first thing clients go to do is they want to put on like an aloe vera cooling gel. I don't overly recommend that. Sometimes I think the aloe vera can actually trigger more of a response because it's a natural ingredient and you know that's not what we want to focus on we actually want to focus on nourishing barrier repair antihistamines you know reducing that inflammation within the skin and just be sure that we don't stress because if we stress the client will then stress and be like oh my gosh this isn't supposed to be happening oh my gosh and then we'll also end up with a histamine (laughs) response so we don't want to do that I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you work in a clinic or salon, or maybe you are a business owner who hates retailing and feeling all salesy and ick, then I've got something for you. My console and retail like a boss is a free guide that includes the exact step-by-step process that I use as a therapist to help me go from somebody who hated selling and not very good at retailing to the go-to in my community for education and product recommendations. And now it can help you. Simply head to skin-queen.com to download my free ebook or check the notes in the description to get your copy today. Now let's get back to the episode. Okay, next up is retinoid responses. Yes, this is one that I feel 
extremely qualified to talk about because I am the queen of retinoid responses. And even as we speak, I have given myself another retinoid response last night. (laughs) Oh, I thought I would prep my skin over the weekend and do a little bit of a vitamin A peel. And of course, I've caused myself a retinoid response. So what does retinol do? Let's start at the beginning so we can fully understand what it does. In its essence, retinol works to create new healthy cells to also regulate cell turnover. So that could mean speeding it up, could mean slowing it down and regulate oil production. So once again, could mean speeding it up, slowing it down. And so what can happen is if we have too much retinol, it overloads your retinoid receptors within your skin cells. And most of the time, your skin will store the excess as antioxidants in the skin. But the other part of the time, it's like, all right, guys, we are getting into work. And so we're going to put these skin cells in overdrive. And so what it does is it causes an excess of retinoid, um, sorry, of cellular turnover. As a result, our skin can be quite red, quite flaky, quite blotchy, quite sore, quite sensitive, quite tender. I'm literally describing all the things that I'm feeling on my face right now. Um, And it can be uncomfortable. And this is when our clients will say, I'm allergic. You're not allergic. You're not having a reaction. It's simply a response from overloading your skin cells with retinol. So how long does this last? Honestly, two to three days. All I recommend to clients who are having a retinoid response is to just back off using everything. So, you know, discontinue the use of your retinol, obviously, exfoliants, hydroxy acids, vitamin Cs, even vitamin Bs, believe it or not. But in saying that, though, there have been some recent studies and I'll find it. It's a PubMed article and I will put it in the show notes if I find it. And it talks about how sometimes using uh, niacinamide with your retinol can reduce retinoid responses. But I don't know, sometimes in my experience, I just feel like niacinamide, it's just like adding a little bit of fuel to the fire. I'm not sure. I feel like when you're having a retinoid response, just go back to basics. Just go back to bland skincare, you know, cleanse, moisturize, protect, and that's it. Um, another little hack, I'm sure if it's a hack or not, (laughs) um, but I experienced a retinoid response a few years ago, like a really bad one because I started on like the strongest vitamin A my skin had ever experienced. And I thought I'll be fine. Use it every day. And then next minute my skin was red, raw, flaky, rough. It was not nice. And it was Halloween. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I remember I put on concealer, I put on tinted sunscreen, I put on foundation and I put on powder and you could still see that my skin was so red, flaky and raw. And I think two days later I went to the beach and that salt water did wonders for my skin. It just really helped to remineralize my skin. It cooled my skin. So I'm not sure if salt water is the key here or 
you know, retinoid responses really only last two or three days. So I'm not sure if maybe my time had just run out with my retinoid response. And hey, afterwards, my skin was absolutely glowing. It was fresh. It was plump. I was like, oh, this is kind of like a mini peel. Maybe I should do this more often. <laughs> um, but if your client is experiencing a retinoid response, all we need to do is tell them, you know, all we've done is we've accidentally overloaded the skin cells with too much retinol. This can happen. So it's just important that we back it off. We can just, you know, not use it for the next week and then slowly introduce it. You might use it every third night and then every second night. We might just keep you on every second night for the first month and then we can build up your skin cells to tolerate it a little bit more. During that time, just lots of um, strengthening and nourishing ingredients. So for me, that's usually when I use lots of hyaluronic. That's when I use non-scented moisturizers and also antioxidants. Um, And DNA repair serums are chef's kiss. DNA repair serums are amazing for retinoid responses. But just to remind you, it's not a reaction. It's not an allergic reaction. It is simply just a response from the ingredient working in overdrive in your skin. Alrighty. So next, let's chat about frosting. Yes, this is something that a lot of therapists still freak out about. I, oh my gosh, I love frosting. I'm here for it. I mean, it's not the best thing, but let's talk about when it does happen. So frosting, actually, let's talk about what it looks like. Frosting will often look like whitened areas of skin. It'll look like icing sugar or, um, I don't know why they call it frosting. I guess it's like icing sugar that's just lightly on top of the skin. It's not something that you can brush off. Because what's actually happening is you'll often see this when you are doing a chemical peel, not typically with a lactic or a glycolic, but with deeper peels like Jesner's, TCA, salicylic. Sometimes you can get a little bit of frosting. And basically it is the proteins in the skin cells denaturing and the peel working really deep. So when I see frosting in the skin after a peel or during a peel, to me, that classifies endpoint. And that means that I have to neutralize my peel and stop my peel from working. Um, it's not a bad thing. Let me just say, don't freak out. If you start to see it, that's okay. That's cool. Just neutralize the peel and stop it from working right there. But basically it has to do with depth, has to do with the proteins in the cells denaturing. And this is something that won't cause any adverse responses. It tends to dissipate after a few hours, if not an hour, and you don't really need to do too much with it either. All I would say to the clients is that you're probably going to get a good bit of peeling or shedding in that area. And then when you're applying your aftercare after a peel, just be careful not to go hard and heavy with moisturizing or sorry, massaging and applying a lot of pressure in that area because the skin has more potential to have epidermal sliding. And that just means like when that little top layer of skin is just going to be more susceptible to wiping off. Similar to like when you get a um, like a little blister on the back of your heel and then that skin pops and then it's like a little bit weepy and a little bit liquidy and it's not very nice. That's what can happen with epidermal sliding and that's what can happen on an area of frosting. So don't freak out. Just nurture the skin and deactivate the peel. All right, so whenever I do a podcast, (laughs) this is my second podcast, (laughs) so what am I talking about? But I've started doing notes just to kind of keep me on track with what I want to talk about. The next thing I had on my list to talk about was redness and erythema. 
Um, But I also wanted to talk about post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. So post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation can happen from chemical peels or it can happen from sometimes skin needling or it can happen from, you know, a cut or a graze that can result from epidermal leveling um, or it can just happen as a result of trauma happening to the skin. And what happens then is we see a pigmentation response. So it's a post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation response. When this happens, it can be quite stressful for you and the client, but you need to just let the skin repair itself first. And once you begin to see the post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, that's when I would encourage things like tyrosinase inhibitors. And, you know, the worst thing that you have to then explain to the client is get them back to do another light peel. (laughs) So I was just reminded of this because when I treated my best friend with a peel many, many moons ago, maybe like six or seven years ago, and she got post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, I let her skin settle. She had a little bit of a flake and then it actually got a little bit lighter. And then we actually did a light micro maybe a month later. And then two weeks after that, we did a light peel and that really worked to get rid of it. Um, She's a Fitz 4 and that happened. With lighter Fitzpatrick types, we often don't see it happen as much, but if it does happen, don't freak out. It's just, you know, you've got to build your client's confidence up to say, the best thing we can do here is do the same treatment to lift off those Um, pigmented layers of skin usually it is quite superficial so it is easy to work with it's actually just getting your clients um, confidence or not confidence trust to do it again all right so lucky last I want to finish by talking about erythema and redness so erythema and redness is something that I think we are used to seeing as therapists but in saying that sometimes when we do see it we can freak out a little bit The reasons why this can happen is warmth from a peel. Sometimes that can leave a little bit of um, flushing within the skin. If you've done something like a lymphatic uh, drainage or lymphatic therapy type treatment, so something like a PRIN or a uh, Dermaquest firming enzyme or even those DMK lymphatic um, enzymatic masks, I'm not sure of the name of them, but what that can do is it can actually cause a little bit of a flushing response. And that's just blood stimulation to the area. That's good. That's healthy. That's what you want. The other thing that might surprise you are, you know, a little bit of warmth and tingles from products applied post-treatment. And I've seen this happen so often and it used to confuse the hell out of me. And the first one you'll often see it happen with is a chemical SPF, post-peel, post-epidermal leveling, post-micro. Reason being is we've disrupted the barrier function. So we've removed it, we've disrupted it, we've broken it down. And then when you apply chemical SPF, because that's going on fresh live cells, sometimes that can tingle and cause a little bit of warmth and a little bit of redness within the skin. So actually as a therapist, very controversial, I know, I don't actually apply SPF post-treatment. I, you know, utilize a zero therapy approach and just follow that for the next 24 to 48 hours. So for the first 24 hours, I won't apply any chemical SPF to the skin. And then 48 hours, I'll start reintroducing a mineral SPF from there. Um, and then once again, once you get to about 72 hours, 
the barrier tends to re-epithelialize, so then you can go back to using your normal chemical SPF. But usually, if you're going to get a response from a, um, any sort of products after a peel, after micro, after epidermal leveling, it will be the chemical SPF that you're applying post-peel. So if you've experienced that before, that is the reason why. And, you know, just to summarize this, so now we've spoken about histamine responses, we've spoken about retinoid responses, we've spoken about frosting, we've spoken about post-inflammatory, and we've spoken about tingles that you can receive um, from applying skincare post-peel. Just know that all of these responses are temporary. When in doubt, focus on barrier repair, a hydrogel mask of some sort, red light LED, and also just reach out to your rep because most of the time they'll know what to do. They would have seen this before. I know that as a rep myself, once upon a time, you know, I wasn't really shocked when I heard of these things happening. It was just more explaining it to the client so that they can understand what's going on. And then next is always reach out to me as well. I'm always here to help. But I hope that you have found today's episode really helpful and really insightful. If you did, please reach out to me and let me know on Instagram because I love being able to do these to help you and to help empower you and to help you become more confident as a skin therapist. But I think I will leave it there for today. I've got so many more ideas for the next few podcasts. I think the next episode I'm going to be doing all things exfoliation and corneotherapy, which is really exciting. But as always, if you have any ideas, I welcome them. Send them through to me on Instagram or via email. But apart from that, I hope you all have a lovely day and I will chat to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it or learned something new, be sure to share this on Instagram and tag me at Skin Queen. That's Queen with three E's. And I'll be sure to repost you. Have an amazing day and stay moisturized.